Hi, I'm Camille, and I'm a professor at the USC School of Drama. I am obsessed with getting to the bottom of why so many talented actors are out of work and what we can do to change that at Speak LA. And I'm Jen. I ran a secret underground agency in Hollywood for over 20 years with a group of actor friends so that we could find our own work. Jen and I interviewed top industry professionals in the entertainment business with a mission of learning what they know that got them to where they are so that we can share that intel with you. We are your hosts. This episode of Speak LA the Podcast, Underground Actor Talk, is sponsored by Actors Connection. It is also sponsored by the Speak LA membership, which provides you with professional guidance and hands-on mentoring. If you're serious about your acting career, join the Speak LA membership today. To join or for more information about the membership, go to ispeakla.com. That's ispeakla.com. Today's guest, Stuart K. Robinson, is the CEO of BBR Talent Agency, as well as the management firm B Times Two Entertainment. Author of the popular book It All Begins with I, Stuart is a nationally known motivational speaker and is widely regarded as one of LA's top acting instructors. In addition to appearing in films, Broadway, Off Broadway, and regional theater productions, Stuart has directed, written, and composed many musical theater and solo show productions. Stuart's Truth to Power Inclusion Solutions program has become a mainstay of numerous companies in an effort to better understand and conquer implicit biases regarding race, gender, and more. We're excited to have him as a guest today. Enjoy! How old were you when you moved to L.A.? I was 11 years old and halfway through the sixth grade. <laughs> wow. Did your family know anybody here? I had an aunt and an uncle, but I knew no one else, no one my age, that's for sure. What was your first job in the industry? I was a page at KTTV, which put me in charge of the audiences for all the Norman Lear shows of that time. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> What was your impression of L.A. when you first came at that young age? People walked around with change in their pockets and could walk to the store because I grew up on a farm. Mm, wow. What was your first impression of the industry? Loving and inviting. Wow, that's a great answer. And if you had to sum LA up in one word, what would that word be? Possibility. Oh, that's perfect. There's so much possibility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, everywhere you look, if you have a dream, there's certainly, it's all here. Uh, unfortunately, it's a huge city, so it doesn't come to you. You have to go to it, but Wow, anything you want to do, you can find it here. Stuart, welcome. Welcome to you too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We're so glad to have you. Are you kidding? This is this is great. We're so happy you're here. 
Yeah, we've, we've been looking forward to this for a long time, Stuart. So yay, yay. Well, thanks. You know, yeah. I love speaking about the industry and I love speaking to uh, artists and uh, any help I can give them finding their path, I'm always happy. Aww. Thank you. Thank well, you. Well, I, that is definitely our mission here. So mm-hmm. that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah and I something that I'm really excited for our artists to hear today from you, Stuart, is you're the true embodiment of someone who has had so many different iterations of a career within this industry, uh, what we would call a multi-hyphenate, which is something that I just kind of have been hearing a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but you actually started your career as an actor. So I would love to hear about how you kind of entered into acting. Um, did you Was that something you were interested in? And then how did that lead to other jobs for you in the industry? Well, this may be a metaphor, but when I was in high school, I took a wrong turn. Um, I was very much the student government kid. I was chairman of every uh, student council organization in the country, uh, the citywide, the statewide, president of my school, et cetera. So I had an office in the, what they called the rotunda of our theater building. And uh, I also was on all the sports teams. So I would walk from my office all the way around the theater to the gym. And one day I saw the door was cracked open to the theater. So I said, I'll take a shortcut and just go through the thing and go out the side door and I'll be right there at the gym. And as I was walking through the theater, they were holding auditions for the fall play. And the drama teacher said, hey, come on, (laughs) audition for this. And I said, what? Huh? What? And she said, here, read this, read this. And I discovered that I had a talent that I never knew I had. And I got cast in the lead, one of the leads in that play and um, never made it back to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember what that play was? That play was the matchmaker, which is the, you know, the straight play version of hello, Dolly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And, and because my school, my high school was in Hollywood. It wasn't Hollywood high. It was Fairfax high. Uh, A lot of agents and casting directors would come to our shows. So um, by the time I did my second show, I kind of had my feet under me and was the star of the show and got discovered from the high school stage. So it it wasn't anything I had planned on. I was all ready for a career in politics and had all the scholarships and all that stuff. And um, I just got such a feeling from being a part of productions and working with other artists that I couldn't resist it. And it changed my whole trajectory of my life. How did your family feel about that, that trajectory when you were, when you were young, when you were in high school? Yeah, my, um, I was always <laughs> the different kid. Uh, Cause I was, uh, you know, I had this obsession with learning new things. So um You know, I taught myself to play the piano and I taught myself to play the drums and I taught myself to play the guitar and I taught myself to sing and then, you know, taught myself to tap dance. And so they kind of knew that (laughs) it was going to be that kind of thing. Of course, like all parents, even uh, me, when my kids were born, I was terrified. They were terrified that, you know, I'd have to make a living at this. But it didn't take long for them to believe in me and what I do. And um, so they were cool. They were, 
I'm going to be honest. They were cool from a distance. It's not like they were, you know, like when I was on the basketball team, you know, all the star players, dads would be at every practice and, you know, my son's got to start in the game. Uh, you know, <laughs> my family would they try to come to the shows, but it wasn't like it was their thing. So, yeah. um, you know, I always say to young actors, um, one of the things that I think sets us off the path is that this can be a very lonely business because a lot of times you, it's just you. You're going to that audition and you're preparing. And, you know, I remember my first time performing at the Kennedy Center. I remember it was the biggest dressing room I ever had. And it was, you know, one of those luxurious kind of star dressing rooms. And I thought, what good is this if I'm sitting in here all by myself? Because mm. I was in Washington, D.C. There was no one I knew there, et cetera. So it, was, it, it, it can be, even when you're succeeding at it, a very solitary, lonely process. And so that's why you got to get really good at being comfortable with yourself and in your own skin. When you say comfortable in your own skin, can you – it reminds me of what a lot of people talk about um, and they they kind of connect it to confidence. Mm -hmm. And um, I like that you say comfortable because that sounds to me more like kind of knowing yourself. So, yeah, can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by comfortable in your own skin? Yeah, my philosophy is that there are a lot of terms that uh, the gatekeepers in this industry use that really just confuse actors and make us doubt ourselves. And, you know, they say, you know, you got to have charisma and you got to be yourself. And and I always say, what what does that mean? Because <laughs> I, I don't even know who myself is. And myself is a different person um, in different situations. Am I outgoing and fun at parties? Yes. Am I shy and reserved at parties? Yes, depending on the party. Mm. Am I sensuous and all of that at parties? Depending on the party. Mm. So, uh, you know, be myself at a party. That could be any one of five people. And so even the term actor, I talk about this a lot, um, now has a lot of baggage with it because it signifies something that isn't really definable. I love using the word storyteller. Mm. Because I think anytime I get hired as an actor, what I'm coming to do is help someone tell a story that probably is very dear to him, them and him or her and, and, and or them. And I'm trying to help the director shape a vision and I'm trying to help all the designers do what they do by telling this story. So I say all that to say that one of the key moments in my life was where I realized that the titles I was trying to attach to myself, because I was trying to make a business card. And how do you do that when it says actor, writer, director, producer, composer, singer, dancer, author, motivational speaker, agent, manager, casting director, et cetera. <laughs> it's like a joke. So I finally one day realized that none of those titles meant anything if I didn't really know what it is that I do. What I do, not what the title is. What is the thing that I do, whether I'm acting or I'm composing or I'm leading a business meeting or I'm cooking a dinner for a group of friends? There's a thing that I do that is consistent to all of those things. When you find that thing you do, now you transcend the title 
And now you know what is required of you, no matter what it is, which is why I, who have no education, no formal training, have always felt, not always, <laughs> acquired the feeling that I can do anything. So when they asked me to run a talent agency, I had no fear of it. If they asked me to host the Oscars tomorrow, I would have no fear of it. When they ask me to compose a score for a motion picture, I have no fear of it because I know what I do, not the title. So when I meet young actors and all I'm trying to do is get them to really step back and look at what it is that they do, whether it's a comedy or a drama or an action adventure or a stand-up or whatever it is, what do you do? And how can you translate that into verbs and become a valuable storyteller to us. And and how do you, how, how if you're a new young actor, how do you figure out what it is that you do? Yeah, that's the hard part. And that's yeah. why it took me most of my life to do. But um, see, for me, that's where repetition comes in, mm. um, which is why, you know, my advice always is don't wait for people to hire you. Um, you know, if I were starting out as an actor now, I'd want to be acting every day, even if it was at home alone, reading Shakespeare in a, in a, you know, in a small dark room, et cetera. Because the more I do it, and then the more I interact with other artists as I do it, the more it's going to become evident what I do. Mm. I think a lot of us, we get taught that really the way to get started in this business is to, um, well, is to not piss people off and toe the line and study a lot and wait your turn. And um, what I found is that doing that process, because that was my theory, just be great, just be better. And someone will come <laughs> and knock on your door and say, is there an actor in there? And you'll come running out and, and they'll have a trophy in their hand. But that's not what happens. You just got to be doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and being active and figuring out what it is that you do and putting that into play. And by the way, what you do can change. Mm. What, you know, we're a completely different biological being every seven years. So it would stand to reason that what we do might change. For me, it hasn't changed much in the last 20 years. I'm pretty consistent with everything that I do. But how I discovered it was doing a lot repetition, and listening to the people I interact with. I'm very lucky. I, you know, I, I, I taught uh, audition technique for a number of years, and my students were all so generous in um, saying to me what they got and what I meant to them, that it was very hard for me to deny what I do, because they were telling me, this is how you've changed my life, and this is how you impacted my career, and this is how you make me feel. Most of it good, some of it bad. And then I go, oh, so I have to own what I do. So for young actors, I would say, do the, the art a lot. Don't wait to be hired and listen to the people who respond to you. Listen to what they say and take it to heart because they're not making it up. Mm, that's great. I love that. Pay attention to what people are saying to you. Um, we had a guest on the show recently, a, a literary agent, uh, who said, I, I really love that she said this, her advice to 
um, you know, up and coming writers was when we, when we asked her, what should they write? She said, it shouldn't feel like a burden. And I wonder if, if you agree with that in terms of, um, you know, finding, I love this concept of finding what you do, figure out what you do. Um, and, and would you say that for an actor that, that works too, like, um, you know, if something, if a part feels like a burden or if it's maybe it's not what you do or if comedy feels like a burden or if, you know, I don't know, is that, is that a good way to look at it maybe? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, to me, it's not about genre because mm. I'm going to do what I do, whether it's a comedy or whether it's a drama. So I don't want to paint myself into a corner of, oh, I'm not a comedic actor. I'm only this. I think that's a mistake that artists make. Um, but finding the real thing you do, well, I, I'll give this example. You may or may not know this. My son, son-in-law, is a, a, a relatively big acting star now. And he credits me a lot for having helped him turn his career around because uh, the day that he goes back to is the day where he invited me to lunch to tell me that he was quitting the business. Mm. I can't do it anymore. I I can't take the ups and downs. I can't do all of this. And, you know, my answer was, and he was, you know, basically seeking my blessing and so my advice. And I said, you know, I support you in whatever you do. He was going to go into the hotel business, um, room service, and love it. He was going to be the best room service person <laughs> that ever lived. But I said, I, I support you, whatever you want to do, but I'd love to see you really try. Of course, he was offended. Oh, what do you mean? I've been trying for years. I was on Broadway. Um, but what I meant was really utilize what you do, really, and do it. What did you read today? Who did you call today? What did you study? It's great when you have an audition. You go in and do your best work, etc. But what did you do to mm. own this process? Did you sing today? Because they'll let you sing in this restaurant. You bring a little microphone and, and do it, and they'll let you do it. And, of course, now he has a Grammy and a Tony and all of that. But it wasn't until that day that he said, oh, oh, this is what I do. And, by the way, his definition of what he does is he says, I'm a host, mm -hmm. which is why he wanted to go into room service. But now he applies that in movies and in theater and in recording and in concert and in speaking engagements and in writing books. He's just your host, no matter what he's doing. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me, it, it, what I like about what you're saying is that it's something that is innately yours. Mm. You know, it's something that, and it, 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 and I, I like thinking about, this world too, in terms of like, as an actor, mm -hmm. like when you hear that buzzword brand or type, and that's mm -hmm. something that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for those of you listening, Stuart's shaking his head right now. <laughs> like, that idea of um, when somebody finally told me it is something that is yours, like you cannot change it. And I had this moment where I, of relief where I thought, Oh my gosh, I just need to understand the circumstances of the text. So I know the story I am telling, but I get to be me within mm. the story. 
I get to, mm-hmm. I get to be of service to the story by being who I am. And it, it really opened up that, that all that when, when, like you said, when people say to you, be yourself and you're like, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I just love what you're saying. Like now he is the host and that's what he's doing. He's hosting. Like what a wonderful, it's like an innately you, you quality. And that is mm-hmm. what makes you so unique, what you're doing. Absolutely. And it, it, you'll also find that when you really embrace that, when you know what you do, so whatever script you're approaching, there's a character you have to play, but how many degrees of separation are there? You know, I always say to myself, if two events had gone majorly differently in my life, I'd be a whole different person. <laughs> uh, so if I can ask myself, what would have had to change in my circumstance for me to be in this circumstance and respond the way the author has asked me to do so, what would, uh, what would that look like? Because once I know what I do, it also liberates me in that I don't go to an audition wondering if I'm going to get a job. Because that's not why I'm there. Right. I'm just here generously giving you a version of this vision of yours that really goes through me. I had a discussion the other day with, a, with an actor who was talking about that the director gave line readings. And it was really difficult. And I said, I, they can give me line readings because all I'm going to do is say, oh, oh, that's the, re- that's the destination you want to reach. Now, my job is to run that through the journey of me. Yeah. Mm. And if I don't understand the journey of me, of course it's going to be difficult and upsetting and I'm going to get my ego involved. Don't give me line readings. But <laughs> yeah. Th- uh, sometimes I ask for that. Say it. Say it so you tell me how you picture it. And then I do the work of making it my own. Because the other example, sorry, I take my answers in long directions, but I grew up um in music, thinking that if I was doing a Stevie Wonder song, the best way to do it was like Stevie Wonder. And if I did a Marvin Gaye song, the best way to do it was like Marvin Gaye. And if I did a Barry Manilow song, I got to do it like Barry Manilow. And it didn't occur to me until late in life, I can't do a Stevie Wonder song the way Stevie Wonder does it. (laughs) There's no point me singing that song when everybody's heard Stevie Wonder do it and I'm trying to do a version of that. So I apply the same thing to my acting. It wasn't until again, late in life, that I found my song, my style. So no matter what song I'm doing, the goal is for you to go, oh, that's Stuart K. Two seconds into the song, because that's what he does with it. So people ask, can you play a police captain? Yeah, my version. <laughs> Right. And so now I don't have to worry about whether I'm good enough or talented enough. If this is a version that works for your vision, hire me. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work for your vision, don't hire me. I am, and here's the word you used, Camille, I am comfortable where I'm at. Right. Confidence suggests that I know I'm going to win. Right. But comfortable means this is what I came to do. And when I leave the audition, I don't need a a victory or a thumbs up. I don't need the director to waltz me around the room and tell me how wonderful I am. Because that's 
That's not what I came for. Right. I didn't come for your validation. I came to do my storytelling and hope that it helps you enhance this project. And if it does, let's work. Chances are it will because nobody does it the way each one of us does it. And when we tap into that, it works. Yeah. I think everyone is going to be breathing a sigh of relief hearing this as, as the way that you just described it, because even me hearing it, there was always a jarring for me between sort of the soul I have as an artist, as an actor, and being highly sensitive and just having a deep love for this craft. And then this, these words, confidence, you know, mm-hmm. being yourself, it's got to be in the eyes. And I, and, and I was just like, well, I just, I don't understand how and I think you have just explained how, which I think is going to be such a relief for people to hear. How is you figure out what is innately you and yours, mm-hmm. and that's what you're delivering. And it's yeah. it's a lot simpler than you think because you can't get too far away from it because it is who you are. <laughs> yeah. Do you see that even as you're saying that there's an essence that is unmistakably you? Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't that essence want to show up? in anything that you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Your anger is going to be different from my anger. Right. And your, you know, lust is going to be different from my lust. And your impatience is going to be different from my impatience. And when you understand that and you you generously bring that to everything you do, it works. You ever eat at the Cheesecake Factory? Mm-hmm. Of course. You ever see their, their menu is like a, a, a phone book? Yeah, there's so many pages. Yeah. So if you don't choose the teriyaki chicken, does that mean the teriyaki chicken is not enough? Oh, we're mm. gonna take that off the menu. It's not enough. No one chose it. Oh my god. <laughs> and does that mean they need to change it and make it more like Benihana's teriyaki chicken? No. It just means this is your teriyaki chicken, and you got to find your audience for that. Don't keep reinventing the wheel every time somebody says no to you. Because that's what they do to actors. They say, oh, study more. Well, yeah, study. But not because you didn't get this job. If the real thing that got in the way was you didn't utilize the thing that you do. It'd be like a carpenter not using a saw. Mm. Well, I'm going to do it without the saw because I'm trying to achieve the result. No, you use the tools that are your your go-to. And that's what we all do. I, I really, I love this. And like Camille said, I think this is going to be helpful to so many people. It's helpful to me. And I, I adding to, like you said, you know, if you go, if you go into an audition and you worry, I, you know, I might not be good enough. I think what I used to do a lot in auditions is, is say, I'm not enough of the thing that I assume they're looking for. Like, I'm not tough enough, or I'm not vulnerable enough, or I'm not, you know, funny enough, or I'm not, but I love that. I love what you're saying. I mean, just to say it again, is that if you're really just tapping into what you do, you are, my version of, you know, a tough FBI agent is going to be very different than the version of a quote, tough, FBI agent that somebody else does. And and like you said, I, I love the cheesecake analogy, cheesecake factory analogy. 
that, you know, one teriyaki chicken is different from another teriyaki chicken. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean one's bad. Just means they're different. That's good. I, um, I was really taken by something you said at the top that I'd love to go back to when we asked you to describe, um, you know, in a word or two, the business and you said loving and kind. I, I, I'm not sure anybody's ever said any, you know, people in Hollywood actors and people in the business like to say, Oh, it's a terrible business. Oh, it's awful. And everybody's so awful and so cutthroat. And, um, I, I love your answer. I'd love you to just talk about it a little bit if you would. Yeah, I, I, I don't really, I try to push myself away from those talks because everybody wants to talk about how horrible this business is when it really is the best business in the world. Mm. It just is a process. I, I, I equate it to if you loved surfing, you wouldn't want the ocean to be calm. So there are going to be some waves that knock you off your board and there are going to be sometimes you get dunked upside down, etc. That's part of the thing. And your ability to master those waves is what makes you a champion at what you do. So I don't need anybody to tell me how tough this business is because everybody wants to do it and it's glamorous. And when you work at it, there's a lot of money. But if you don't want the process, if you don't want the ride, it's going to be very difficult. And when you do get comfortable in your own skin and you do have an ownership of what you do and you do make that available to people, they love you and they care for you and they collaborate with you. Now, is everybody wonderful and everybody's nice to you? No, there's none of that. But so my first experiences with the theater, um, my first big play was Godspell, the musical. Uh, I played the lead role at my school, and it was a pretty exemplary production. But we went to, I, went, uh, I was, um, I guess I was auditioning for the theater program at ACT. And there was a production in town, and I went to see it. And I just was watching the actors connect with one another in a way that no one in the student government world was willing to connect. No one on the football team was willing to connect because you had to put on a thing and you had to be, you had to be tough. Here were people actually being vulnerable and open and giving to one another for all the world to see. So I wanted that. Mm. I wanted to be a part of that. I'm going off on another story, but you know, I I grew up in small town, farm town, Western Pennsylvania. Um, One of a handful of families of color in my community. So my family basically fled Pennsylvania to come here. And, you know, my teachers loved me when I was young, which is, I, I, I always like to mention this because it means so much to me. My teachers loved me because I was an outstanding student and I was a dynamic kid, et cetera. But they were like, whoa, you got to tone it down because the world doesn't really want to hear what you have to say. You're going to get a good job in a steel mill and that's what you're going to do. But you got to tone it down because you're going to get in trouble being the center of focus and having so many opinions. 
And when I moved here, I was fortunate enough to have a sixth grade teacher who, after spending a couple weeks with me, brought me up in front of the class and said, boys and girls, this young man is magical and he can do anything. And it was the first time in my life that anyone had ever seen me that way. So fast forward to today when you've invited me, you who my teachers told me would never want to hear one word I have to say, have invited me to be a part of your program and speak to hopefully millions of people. And maybe right now they want to hear what I have to say. Do you know what a dream come true that is? And do you know what, when I said the word possibility, do you know what possibility that puts in your heart when you finally agree that you are magical and you can do anything? So yes, loving, yes, kind, yes, inviting, yes, something I want to be a part of. And that's why I've never done anything else but be in this business. Thank you for sharing that with us, Stuart. That mm -hmm. is a really... I would love to ask you one more question before we Please. sort of... Because I am dying to know, after hearing you speak, how you would define the business of acting. When we talk about the business of acting and actors have this idea in their head, how would you tell them to approach that way of thinking? I have a term that I coined. People think they should have a picture and a resume and a reel. A picture, they misunderstand to mean that we want to see what you look like. That is useless. We don't need to know what you look like. We need to know what you do. So the photo you're going to use as your headshot wants to be a moment that was captured where you're actually making me feel something. In my 13 years of casting, the easy way to cast was to look at a picture and say, do I know what this person is thinking? If there was a real thought, a real thing there, oh, my friends remember my birthday. I'm bringing them in. If they were sitting in front of the camera, looking at the camera and showing their teeth, I don't bring them in. Resume. I hate to say it this way. It doesn't matter. What would be on your resume that would make me hire you? Because if there was something that would make me go, oh my God, we got to hire this person, I would know you. That's my job. So don't worry about your resume. But real tends to suggest a, a, a stringing together of the things you've been able to shoot so far about the, my past. Here's what I've done. No, what I want is evidence of your greatness, visual evidence of your greatness, of how great you can be. And that's much harder to acquire because they don't offer you uh, the lead role in Sophie's Choice when you're first starting out. But I promise you, if you find that material and you get it on tape, film, digital, whatever, and you distribute that and people go, look at this person and what they are capable of. Now you have a career. So the 80-20 rule, Pareto's law, is put 80% of your energy into the 20% thing. 
put 80% of your energy into identifying, capturing, and distributing evidence of your greatness. You walk by a department store, there's a big window with stuff in it. That stuff had better be pretty spectacular and inviting in order to make me go, ooh, I'm going to go in this store. So the business of acting, do likewise. Put something in the picture window that makes everyone go, ooh, I want to go further into this. If you're walking around with a photo that tells me what you look like and a resume that has credits that I never heard of and a, 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 a tape of things that you've done that don't really evidence your greatness, of course you're not going to succeed. So the business is finding that evidence of how great you can be. And I know it's hard, but the good news is when I was coming up, it would cost you $20,000 to create that evidence. Today, you're walking around with a phone that has more technology in it than those cameras that I used to rent. You have a distribution company via podcasts and Instagram and Facebook and websites and all of that. There's no excuse for not having true evidence of your greatness. So the business of this is the same way if you're opening a shoe store. Create a prototype that's evidence of why this shoe is better than other shoes. Put it in the window and get a lot of people to see it. That's the business. That's a great answer. That's a great and inspiring Thanks. as anything answer. Thank you for that. Um, sadly, we're out of time, but we always like to end our our uh, episodes by asking, uh, our, our show is as much about LA or sometimes is as much about LA. Um, if there's anything that you have noticed, we call it an LAism that is unique to LA. All right. <laughs> Here's going to be my only, well, it's not a negative, but because I'm going to turn it to a positive. <laughs> People always say, oh, you live in LA. Do you know Jen? <laughs> and I say, oh, it doesn't work like that because there's a chance. Jen and I are meeting via Zoom for the first time today, but there's a chance that we're going to live here for another 20 years and we will never run into each other. Mm. Never. Yeah. When I go to New York, I run into three people I know every time I'm there. So true. So an LAism is that, uh, you know, everybody says, oh, everyone's fake and there's no sense of community. Well, it's because we're not going to run into each other. So my LAism is you have to create your community. I have to say, hey, Jen, meet me at such and such a place and bring Camille and I'm going to bring so-and-so and we're going to create community because I'm not going to run into you on the subway and I'm not going to run into you on uh, Broadway, which I will in New York. Mm -hmm. So my LAism is community doesn't come to you. You have to create it. Mm. That's a good one. That's a good one. And that's a good one for us to all remember so that we keep our communities keep connected to each other. Yeah. Wow. Stuart, this is, this has been really wonderful. Thank you so much. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank and I you. I hope your listeners get a lot out of it. And I, I just wish you both the best. And I wish them all the best because there's certainly enough bounty out there in the universe for us all to be richly successful and rewarded. We're not in competition. There's plenty for all of us. Ah, so thanks. That's a perfect end. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Hey, guys. For all of you who are looking for professional guidance and hands-on mentoring for your acting career, join the Speak LA membership today. To join or for more information about the membership, go to ispeakla.com. That's the letter I, speakla.com. This episode of Speak LA, the podcast was sponsored by Actors Connection. Actors Connection offers free resources, including valuable online programs. For more information, go to actorsconnection.com and sign up for their e-blast today. Our sound engineer is the very talented Dan Leonard of homevoiceoverstudio.com. My name is Jen Jostin. And I'm Camille Thornton-Alson, and we are the founders of Speak LA. See you next time.